Hello and welcome to At The Source. I'm Alex and this is Karis. This is a podcast about food stories. We love talking about food and eating it. And now we're on a mission to record and share interesting food stories from people all over the UK and beyond. Join us as we explore food in all its glory. This week we're in Brighton and Hove, chatting with lawyer-turned cookbook purveyor Julie Haylett. On an unassuming road in Hove, you'll find Cookbook Bake, a beautiful space filled with a carefully curated collection of cookbooks from chefs and authors all over the world. Welcome, Julie. Thanks for having us in Cookbook Bake today. Thank you for coming. I'm more than happy to have you. Now, the first question we always ask, and I think it's very important, what is your first memory of food? I was thinking, I have been thinking about this, and I think it will age me and and pop me right in a particular generation, because I think it was Farley's Rusks, which is a particular baby toddler food that you have with warm milk, and the outside goes soggy as you eat it in. And I think I can remember eating that. I think that's the (laughs) earliest memory I've heard so far. I remember those... They, they are still around. My brother had them, so I'm six years older than my brother. Yeah. And I remember eating one of his, but they weren't great. Well, I didn't say they were great. I didn't say they were great. <laughs> and I imagine they're probably much sweeter than you would give toddlers nowadays. Mm. Um, but they were a definite breakfast staple. Um, warm milk. Farley's rusk in the middle, it going soggy from the outside in. <laughs> and how would you have eaten it? With a spoon? Or with a spoon. You stick your hand in? Or? No, no, with a spoon. <laughs> it was a, a spoony thing, definitely. Oh, I think I may have been sort of, you know, three-ish, that type okay. of age. That is, you're right, the earliest food memory of all the early food memories that we've collected. So given that Farley's rusks aren't the most gourmet of foods... <laughs> When, when did your love of food start? Because as somebody who owns a cookbook shop, I imagine that you look quite like food. Yes, I do, I do quite like food. I think it probably was because I, I, went, I became vegetarian in the mid-80s. And, and whilst there were, if you lived in London particularly, there were places that you could go to, um, but you did pretty much have to scour cookbooks hmm. and try and work out what what could you eat and, and what, what nice things were out there and I did come across a couple of one particularly really good one which I which I had and um, still do have which is the um, the Moosewood cookbook which is an American one based on a, a hippie veggie cafe in New York from 1977 and it's brilliant because it's got it's got an amazing pesto recipe that I still go back to. In the 80s, you couldn't buy pesto. These these were things that you didn't mm. particularly mm. hear of. And, and to be fair, you, you couldn't... I mean, you, you still had to adapt things because outside of London, you couldn't buy a pine kernel to, to save yourself. <laughs> that just wasn't around. Um, but, but then I, I did... I, I travelled and I ended up in Australia in the very late 80s. And that was appalling for I was, vegetarians. I was as going well. to say you would have had even less choice there. <laughs> but the food was great. They had lots of because of the climate, lots of vegetables. And, and you know, when when I did the the um, 
the the have to trip up the east coast in a combi which is what I did do for a year you know you're going through little places in Queensland and on the outside of giant giant farms and driveways there's honesty boxes with avocados the Mm. size of a baby's head Mm -hmm. it's just like (laughs) oh my god this stuff is just brilliant dream Um, avocados yeah yeah totally and then there was just there was so much and you know that they're 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 great and it's a very competitive food um food environment sort of particularly Mm. right across the 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 east coast there but Mm. yeah it was just discovering this great lovely produce basically So bringing it back to Brighton, where we are today, um, can you tell us a little bit about Cookbook Bake? Yes. Well, Cookbook Bake is a specialist cookbook shop. Um, And so we, I choose, so it is curated. It's not just whatever cookbooks happen to be out there. I do genuinely look at every single book and I look at who the author is and I and I think is this a a proper book or is it just sort of a puff thing that's been put together do do I have something like it does it cover sort of regions or methods is it a classic where do these things um how, how does it all fit together um and we Yes, I mean, I opened it properly at the beginning of February. It had a little bit of a stutter start um, two weeks before Christmas we opened it. Um, and then I threw my back out to the point where oh, wow. on Boxing Day I couldn't walk. <laughs> and so it was then shut for the whole of January <laughs> and we opened it again properly on um yeah, beginning of February, which is why I'm currently sat in this great big ugly office chair, as opposed to the cool and trendy vintage it looks school very stools, which are what <laughs> caused my back to go out. Oh dear! Uh-huh. Versus this, <laughs> yeah. Sure, uh, make sure I'm sat firmly on the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure for, for one for one day, I'm sure it would have been fine. But it is just that, yes, it's it's. When you have a slightly dodgy back, you start doing something a bit different and it can on occasion turn out very badly for you, which is what happened. But um, the the bookshop started more as a, it was was a, why isn't there one in Brighton? Brighton's a very foodie place. How can this whole country only have one in London? And so that that was a thought that, that I'd had for a number of years basically because I lived in Melbourne for a very long time and there's a cookbook shop there I know that there are specialist cookbook shops in in most big cities across Europe and America as as well as Australia and I just I always just found it a bit bizarre that there was only the fabulous one but only one in London and mm. so when this space came up it filled a there, there were a few things that it sort of ticked the boxes mm. for and it was like cookbook shop that that's what I'm going to do I think that sounds really I think it sounds like a really good plan in a place that food is so important and we were talking earlier about we're really missing one in Bristol so we as we said if you want to come and open one in Bristol we'll be (laughs) regulars now you weren't always within food or retail no what were you doing before um, before I am, I'm a lawyer by by training, and I was a lawyer in Australia. And when I came over here, I went and worked up in London as a lawyer, and used and did the the horror Brighton commute. Lots of people 
move to move to Brighton there's thousands every day who, who go back up to London and so I did that for well I did that for a number of years um, but whilst I haven't been in food my other half mm. is Ken and he's a chef we've been together for 26 years and it's it's a biosmosis it, it sort of takes over your life mm-hmm. you go on holiday you check out restaurants markets bakeries yep. it's it's all a busman's holiday mm. you buy cookbooks everything is about food everything is your sat someone going oh, I wonder why did they put it like this and how is that I don't know if that works and you're not being critical you're just being interested in food and how people work all of these things out so it's sort of a, it's a by osmosis thing and I always tell people I know about food but I'm learning about the book industry mm. and so when um, I got quite sick a few years ago and was like right do I really still want to to do the commute um, and I came down on the no I don't really want to still do the commute mm. <laughs> so it was a uh, right what, what what do we do and what do I know and I know food we've we've had sugar dough for sugar dough is 10 years old this December um, and as I say I've been with Kane for a very long time um, and by osmosis, mm. what you do in your spare time, as it turns out, <laughs> centres around food. <laughs> we know a little bit about that too, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, something that Karis and I have talked about quite a lot, and as a person who has a large cookbook collection at home, why do you think people love cookbooks so much? I think I think they do... They're, there's a number of answers to that. <laughs> and one, you know, they're beautiful, particularly nowadays. They, mm. they, the design, the photographs, they, they are absolutely lovely. Um, they, as well as feeding you, they have, they have a lot of stories and context. So even if you don't use the recipes, they can be inspirational mm. by mm. themselves. So they are more than the sum of recipes. You can sit on the sofa and just be get joy from reading it, having a look at it, even if you don't, as I say, follow the recipes. I do tend to follow recipes and I do go back to books that I've had for a while and um, will we'll follow the recipes. But the, the other element to them is that they, they become part of your family and your social history. They, they, they are books that you have very often mm. for the whole of your life and very often you will have inherited one or two. Mm-hmm. And you can write on them. You know, you look through, people make notes. They, they scale up and down recipes. They put in bookmarks, which are often other recipes that they've taken out of newspapers. Yeah, yeah. So they become very much, they, they have a real cultural importance all by mm. themselves. Food splatter. Food, Food splatter, splatter as well. Yeah, and yeah. no matter how fabulous and amazing the internet and e-readers can be for a number of things, you are not going to balance your iPad half on a pot half on a tub of something else while you're looking at the recipe and stirring. (laughs) You're just not going to risk it. Whereas with a cookbook, you do. And that's why they get splattered and they get get sort of dog-eared. But that is what makes them a really lovely thing. I think that um, as an avid reader myself, and I know Karis as well, when we were both growing up, we read a lot. I am a pure Kindle user now. 
but except for cookbooks. And I'm always quite surprised when I see cookbooks sold on Kindle or, you know, because it's got to be paper. It's got to have that. Well, Kindle does not do... I have to say, I, do, I use Kindle at night because my eyes are now a little bit rubbish and I can have them... Kane laughs at me. I, I can have the font <laughs> giant. <laughs> I, I have the font really large as well, so... Yeah, so, which is perfect for the going to, to, to sleep read for, for me. But the photos are rubbish. Yeah. Like, e- even if they're in mm. normal novels. And that's one of the joys of cookbooks is whether it's an illustration or all the photos that type of graphic just doesn't work on mm. on an e-reader and and they are really lovely and and people genuinely they do come in and they do say they like to see a recipe and they like to see the photographs so they can see what they're aspiring to or what it mm-hmm. should look like and when they fail yeah. what it doesn't end oh, up what it like. doesn't end up looking like but it, there is a, def- a visual joy in that 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 is that people definitely like and that was a fantastic answer <laughs> I agree. What was the first cookbook you bought? It was the Moosewood cookbook. The the, yeah, Molly Katzen, Um, and I think it is still. I've got a copy of it in the shop here. I think it still absolutely holds up. As I said, it has a pesto recipe in it. I still get back to. I think it taught me to cook. It has. It's very. She's she's her instructions are really simple. She she says you know if you don't have this it's okay use any orange vegetable use this so she she lets you realise that you don't have to do this you know it, it, it's not an instruction manual where yeah. if you fail one step the thing doesn't work and I think that is what helped me learn to cook and that's really interesting because when did you say that was published seventy seven so now we're coming sort of full circle in some ways because food waste is a big topic of conversation at the moment and one of the best ways you can avoid wasting food is actually using what you've already got in the fridge or the cupboard and not going out to buy the specific orange vegetable just whatever orange vegetable yes i think that's really interesting and knowing that if you're not a confident cook that you can substitute a red pepper with a courgette or yes but being having that bravery to do that again if you you know if you're not a I mean I just throw whatever I've got in the fridge into my dinners but that's because I can feel it um but yeah and and it does worry people some people will look at a recipe and if they haven't got one thing think that they can't do it Mm -hmm. and so it does take a little bit of a, a a confidence step to to not worry about that but I think it does it does help how certain cookbooks are written. Um, Ottolinghi's latest one, Simple, the way that is written is there is a lightness in the method- methodology. So you can read that in a way whereby it actually doesn't matter if you don't have mint. Like it's sort of apparent on the face of the, mm. the recipe that it'll be all right to put something else in because mm. it is, it's, it's the way he's written it. There's mm. sort of a lightness of touch rather than, yes lots of serious serious steps that have to have to happen and i think that helps as well it makes it more accessible for people doesn't yeah. it yeah it stops them from going oh that's too hard yeah i'm just not even going to bother that's going to sit on my shelf for the rest of my life i'm never going to look at it yeah. how many cookbooks do you think you have in your personal collection i can't really say i because it is a we because we are a couple and so and and because we've got We've got the formal, the chef in the mix. There's a lot. <laughs> and it includes the LaRousse and mm. the Thomas Keller and it includes technical mm. stuff 
as well as vegetarian this and Indian that and you know there is a there's a lot we do have a lot to be fair to the point where we have <laughs> we've got quite quite a few of the shelves in our living area of just cookbooks and that we have the vertical pile so on top of they just they sit on top of each other <laughs> can you put a number on there a guesstimate would be fine. a guesstimate yeah. um I think there's probably at least a couple of hundred. <laughs> plus, plus we have magazines, so specifically sort of the Gourmet Traveler, Traveler yes. and a number mm. of um, very gourmet. Mm. And we, we, have, we have them all. Now, with those books, and here's the toughest question I'm going to ask you today, you have to leave your house in a hurry. There's a hurricane or something in Brighton. Oh, I don't care. It's near the sea. <laughs> tsunami. There's a tsunami. Um, what is the book that you grab and run with? Yes. I mean, <laughs> I'd be very sad <laughs> to lose an awful lot of them. Um, but actually, the one would be, I do have one that came down to me from my grandma. And it is a... It's a dictionary of food. It's a Cassell's dictionary of food. It's really fat. It's got the leather sort of spine and the marble paper on the inside cover and just so many recipes in there, of which I do look at on occasion. Um, A lot of them are are a bit hilarious because how early particularly British cookbooks were were sort of... were, were. crafted in the in for hundreds of years it was sort of done on a household management mm. basis Alarm. this, is, this is how you yeah this is how you run a household and the recipes so we actually have a very long history of written down recipes culturally compared to a number of other cultures where the word that they're verbal and instructions mm. and it's because it was done in this this is how you can manage a house well it was considered a skill mm. which is why lots of old cookbooks is prices and costs on things so that you can you can do the economy side yeah. of it um but but this is a, a really fabulous book it's got those beautiful color plates of victorian sort of drawings they're all oh, still lovely. in there beautiful and she was um in the 20s um she was an uh, she was a bakeress she did her apprenticeship as a bakeress as they would as they called a her bakeress. then which obviously she had to she gave up as soon as she got married which was what everyone had had to do in the day. Oh, those were I days. know, I know. But to be fair, she did, then did have seven children, and so she probably, you know, she was still baking no and time. cooking. <laughs> I think she'd be really massive yeah. amounts of food. Do you think she'd be really proud that you ended up with a, a yes, baker yeah, chef yes. extraordinaire? Yeah, um, I, I think I think she probably would. It, 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 it's a really nice thing. It's a lovely thing to have, and it contrasts. And stop me from getting wrong, because from my father's mother, she passed away a few years ago, and I took her. She had that the, the classic book with um, written in recipes and things that have been chopped, cut out from mm. magazines and all sorts of stuff, and they're just appalling. 
it's, it's a brilliant piece of, of culture and where my, where my grandma came from and everything. Because the recipes, there's just nothing classic or they're really like, oh my God, why would you ever make like a weird pineapple and ham tart and she's oh. kept the recipe. But that is, an, is still an interesting cultural thing. This woman who was very, very old and very poor and grew up, <laughs> grew up in the Gorbals in Glasgow and then moved down to North London. This is her history. And whilst I would never, I don't think there's anything I would cook in it. And my initial response was quite disappointing when I'm looking through this. <laughs> this I, I know. Oh, no. Oh, no, even worse. Oh, my God. <laughs> You've seen 70s cookbook on Twitter, haven't you? Yeah, I love that's what that I've got in my head as you're yeah. describing it. Yes, yeah. Oh, the, it is. But it is, it is, yeah, look, it, it's funny. Not everything you, you, you get are, <laughs> are brilliant. And I do think it's a, it's a brilliant contrast between, between the two, definitely. That does tie really nicely into one of our questions, which was um, you obviously see a lot of new cookbooks coming out and you have a great grasp of knowledge of all the different cooks already out there. So we guess that you understand the trends what's popular what are people buying and obviously they the you know the pineapple salmon mousse shaped like a <laughs> rabbit from the 70s is not a popular trend but um what trends are you seeing at the moment um i'm going to reiterate i am new at the book side of this i do know about food to a degree and I'm absolutely learning um, but I'm lots of the people who walk through this door know more than me I spend my day writing down titles and writing down authors because they say oh you have to look at this and you have to look at that which which is absolutely brilliant but there's definitely there is a, a trend to, to have a bit more of a story in the book um, to, to have a bit of where this dish may have come from, to have a cultural context rather than... 20 recipes and that's it. Yeah, to, to, to just have a little bit of story so you understand that the chef has knows that this is a, a recipe that's been around for a long time in Sicily and they've changed it or they've done this, but it, it, they've, they've put it in some kind of context. Stories and the fact that yeah, the lovely photos, mm. without a doubt, the photography is is just becoming better and better, and it's becoming more important to the overall book. And I, I think that probably is a reaction to it's something that the internet and e-readers can't do, mm. that or they don't do very well when mm. you have. These, these books that are almost like coffee table books, your yes. old-fashioned coffee table yeah. book, that is, it, it is, yes, it has that plus its, its recipes. But um, from a, out, outside of the look, you do get the sense that people are responding to how time poor people are. The fact that they do want to still cook and they do want to use fresh from scratch ingredients, but they... Perhaps you know they they can't spend two hours on a Thursday when you're absolutely knackered from mm-hmm. work, mm. and so this idea of quick and simple and straightforward um, is a thing. So even Diana Henry, her new book, which is coming out in October, I think, is called From the Oven to the Table, and it's easygoing recipes. It's that put put something in the oven 
walk away, come back, and it's done. Mm. And th- that reflects one of the best-selling books partic- that I have, without a doubt, are there's a series of books called the Roasting Tin Books. Mm. Yes, I was just thinking that when you, when you yeah, mentioned Yeah, and it is. The, the green one, probably, particularly in, in Brighton, there probably are an awful lot of veggies, but the green one goes really, mm. really well. But, but equally, the new one, which is called Quick, which only came out a couple of weeks ago, and the original one, they they all sell quite a lot. People are really, okay, yes, I can cook real food, I can chop it up, it doesn't have to come from something in black plastic from a supermarket mm. full of God knows what. Mm. It can be real, but I can and I can fit it in. Mm-hmm. It is quick and simple. And, yes, I already mentioned the Otolingi one, but there is a definite quick simple a bit more straightforward give people a chance to to cook from scratch they want to cook people like cooking food is great it it hasn't gone out of fashion it is we're a bit time restricted so can we have some things and I I think that there are a number of cookbooks that are coming out and are already out that are feeding that the simple side of it that makes perfect sense are there any predictions of what we might see in the next, I don't know, year, or what would you like to see? <laughs> Whichever's easier to answer. We'll, we will test you in a year's time. <laughs> yes, I know, I know. It's, it's not... Um, I'm not sure... I think there will be more... There will be more vegetables, more vegetable dishes. So a lot of the, the more modern cookbooks have a lot more vegetarian with a little bit of vegan as well. Um, in them and I think that will become more so. There's still quite a difference between sort of a, a, a current chef who's doing something, they'll include a number of vegetarian dishes to people who are still who are doing um and, and they're extremely important. They're doing sort of traditional um based food, so North Africa, Morocco, across the Islamic world, brilliant cookbooks. But actually, lots of people pick them up, and it's like it's meat, 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 meat. And there is a definite trend with people coming in; they want to eat, not completely. They're not all going vegan by any stretch, and they're not all going vegetarian. Mm. But they do want to eat more vegetables. I hear it all the time. It's about cutting down your meat consumption. Yes, it's about sustainability, and mm. we see that yeah. so often when we're talking to people, and even when we're out and about. It's you know, you, the best way to go about it is, you know, don't just go one way or the other. It's about the moderation and the eating yeah. sustainably. And Yeah, it, it's balance, and people are looking for that in cookbooks. They're looking, and I do, there is the, there has to always be a place for these traditional foods and recipes because you don't want to lose that. Mm. But people want in their homes a way to be able to cook in a similar style but just a bit more vegetable focused. I think it's probably quite, um, as someone who eats meat, also a lot of vegetarian food and vegan food. But I think when when someone says to you, right, you've got to, you want to make a delicious main course meal, maybe because you've got friends coming around or whatever the reason, and it doesn't include meat, I personally struggle to come up with ideas because you're kind of stuck in the whole, oh, I could make a risotto or I could make this or that. And actually, that's where these cookbooks are. They're inspiration, aren't they, for something that historically people maybe didn't do as much. 
Um, oh, I just love them. I love them all. <laughs> I know, I just I keep turning around and looking at all the shelves and just how pretty it all looks. They it's are so, just beautiful, aren't they? They are, they are, they are beautiful books. And it's it's such a core part, you know, it's about food. It's how we nourish and how we how how we live and there is a joy in it. And I think it should be about joy. It shouldn't be about deprivation. I don't stop diet books. That was I was just about to say. Tell us what you told us. When we <laughs> yes, walked in. I don't stop diet books because I don't. It, I think you have to be. You have to be careful. Very often, I will. People will come in and say, "I'm looking for something particularly healthy," and almost every one of these books is healthy because it means you are. If you use these recipes, you're cooking from scratch with real ingredients mm. that your grandmother would recognise, mm. and that you can get in a greengrocer's, a fishmonger's, or a butcher, not in some ultra-processed sort yep. of weird place <laughs> that you just yep. don't know. You know, it's whole eggs and, you know, moderation and balance, mm. but this this is healthy and, and joyous cooking. It actually, the moment it has the word diet on the cover and the moment that you're using half-fat cheese, reduced fat, this, it's... It, the joy is gone, you know? The joy is just taken out of it. Yeah. Food is joy. Oh. Yeah. This is why we love doing <laughs> we the podcast. We love food. I know. It's a food loving. <laughs> um, you have... Part of the shop is actually dedicated to a demonstration kitchen. Yes. Well, when, when this space came up, um, we thought, all right, bookshop, absolutely. And I wanted to be able to get authors in to do signings which is what all bookshops want but I also thought well actually if I can create a space given we're doing it from scratch and it's an empty shell if I can create a space whereby they could do demonstrations as well so that they're not sort of stuck in a corner somewhere or out on the corner of the street because there's no room in in traditional bookshops if I can create a space whereby they can they can do demonstrations hopefully they'll be happy to come down and you know share, share some of their fabulous recipes with us and they will come and do signings, and people will be able to um, to meet them. Mm. So it was it was partly that, and it was also because um, Sugar Dough, um, which is what uh, my partner Kane set up, people ask him have been asking him for years. Um, could he do lessons? Can he teach them how to do sourdough and various different pastries? And we thought actually there is space here. We could we could have it, and we could do some workshops down the track as well. We haven't started the workshops, but but we will. That was the intention. It was put it there, and then you know we can Perfect. we can yeah, we'll be back. Get so it not ready. only is the shop full of beautiful books, but if you come on the right day, it will smell incredible as well, and there'll yes. be something in the oven at the back. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the last question, and it's probably actually a tough one, but I think you've had enough notice to think about this. <laughs> Who would you love to come and visit and do a demonstration? Yes, that, 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 that is tough because at the moment I'm quite excited about anyone who wants to come, <laughs> wants to, wants to come in and well, we, we've got a, an American chef coming up and it's just like, oh, this will be, be absolutely great. But I, I, I was having a think about it and I actually think it would be Diana Henry because I think her, I love her books <laughs> and she's really she writes in a great way and she's really friendly on social media she interacts with people and I just think it would be fabulous to sort of be in the same room with her talking about food if by any chance 
Dinah Henry listens to our podcast. <laughs> Get yourself down to Brighton and Hope. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Particularly, yeah. you've got a new book coming out. Come and sign it for me. <laughs> that okay. would be amazing. Well, I'm going to get a little snip of that, I reckon, and I'm going to chuck it yeah. on Twitter and tag her in it. She can't <laughs> ignore it then. <laughs> right, I think that's honestly all we have time for. I know. I know, don't give me that face, Alex. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all we've got time for. So, Julie, thank you so much for letting us come and sit in your shop and fire questions at you about cookbooks. Hopefully everyone at home enjoyed this episode. If you did, there are... Well over 20 episodes now at AppTheSource.com. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, all the usual places. And we're also on Twitter, at the source. So please check us out. And we love your feedback and your ratings so more people can find us and our awesome guests. Until next time. Over and out.